Hello and welcome to another Fikava Vet Chat. The person I'd like to meet today is uh, Belgian Professor Hans Nauwing. He's a, a professor in virology, uh, sorry, he's a veterinary surgeon and uh, a professor at the Department of Virology at the University of Ghent. Thank you very much for, for joining us. Um, I had a little bit of a look in your bio before um, we had our vet chat. And I saw that we we both qualified uh, sort of at the end of the 80s. So yes, I getting old. In, we're getting old. <laughs> yeah, I went I went into uh, clinical first opinion practice. Yeah. So, but you went into high end uh, um, virology in research. What made you decide uh, to go into infectious diseases and specifically virology? Yes. I was uh, in the beginning. I was always thinking on uh, being a cl clinician. You know, I wanted to, especially horses. Uh, I liked horses, and I was planning with another vet to start a, a, cl a clinic, uh, one of the first group clinic in uh, clinics in in Belgium. But uh, at a certain moment, I was combining. During the day, I was working in, in the lab, and during the night, I was working as a vet. Uh, and in the beginning, the the vet part was always the the best and I liked it and the, the lab work was not that that sexy I would say but uh, you know it it turned so uh, the longer I was in, in the field I, I felt not very comfortable on diagnostics uh, I, I because 50 or more percent of the the cases I had were not diagnosed and I ju was just treating 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 but I didn't know what it was so I, I could not live with that so I had uh, uh, you know I could not sleep by that, so um, I was not very co comfortable with that. And and then uh, during the day, I was uh, working in the lab, and there that was the opposite. In the beginning, uh, I didn't feel comfortable, but uh, I was very good in uh, setting up the protocols and, and doing the research, and I was so uh, happy with the results. So you, you really could 100% control what you were doing, and you could always get an answer to your to your questions. So I, I was turning from a, let's say, a, a, a real clinician into a, 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 a top virologist, uh, let's say in one year. And uh, at the end, I didn't want to, even now, I don't want to go back. So um, I'm very happy with, uh, with, with what, what I'm doing. And every day is a, 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 a challenging new day that I can, uh, you know, jump in and uh, try to find new things. So um, I'm really, really happy with my decision I made uh, in the very beginning. That's, I mean, for somebody like me who is in first opinion practice, it's always nice if you work together with a specialist who has also seen the shop floor, who, who has <laughs> clinical practice and who knows, I mean, what are the, the, uh, uh, yeah, the, 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 the problems that we are facing on a day-to-day -day basis. Sometimes so that they that that clients come to us, they don't necessarily need to to have the very first news, but they would like to have results explained, or they want to have guidance with with complex scientific issues. Mm -hmm. I saw that you're not only um, researching um, virus infections, infectious diseases in the usual domestic species, but you're also working with shellfish. Yes. Shrimps. So, what what are you doing there? Well, um, yeah, my my old boss always asked me, Hans, which animal do you like? And I, I always had to answer, you know, I don't care about the animal. I said, I'm I'm always interested in 
in new in the, in new pathogenesis work, and I don't care what the animal is, and I really mean it. So if it was uh, feline infectious peritonitis in cats or or uh, equine herpes virus one infectious in horses, I was only interested in in difficult pathogenesis work. And um, at a certain moment, I was I, I I had enough of all those mammals and the mammal-like stuff, and uh, I wanted to have a, a new challenge. And there was a, a bioengineer coming to our lab. Uh, Patrick Sorlos is his name, and he was a, a world famous guy in in uh, in uh, aquaculture. And he said uh, to 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 me, he said, Hans, you know, you have to do really something about all those diseases in in shrimp. Uh, nobody is able to do it, and we need a vet with some brilliant ideas to look to those animals. And he said, why why don't you do it? And I was, well, I was starkly convinced. So I started to work in in shrimp. And this animal uh, is, that was the worst case scenario that you could ever have. That is, you know, uh, whatever you were thinking that should work, did not work in shrimp. So um, just uh, the the simple question was, how do you infect a shrimp? Uh, This was such a simple question. Of course, as a vet, you would say, peroral, uh, or you you uh, in in the you you put it in the lungs or in the nose or you know uh, and that will work with, with that animal uh, nothing worked so uh, we we ended up with uh, no results so we were intubating those uh, shrimp we were uh, putting them we immersed them in fluid full of virus we ever we did everything but nothing worked so that was a kind of a big frustration I, I was working on that for uh, let's say ten years and uh, I had then a Vietnamese student a very smart one. And uh, I remember the, the day he was sitting here in front of me, uh, uh, to- totally uh, disappointed about the research and frustrated. And, he, and, and I asked him, I said, God damn it, I said, uh, Tong was his name. I said, Tong, how is it possible, I said, that we cannot infect those animals? I said, those animals are covered with the, the cuticula, huh? the outer plastic, I call it, but also inside, they're fully covered with plastic. I said, you know, is there a, a, a place in the animal where, where the virus could enter. And I said, it should be a place that has no cuticula. And then he started to think and he said, uh, yes, he said, he said, uh, the antenna gland. I said, the antenna gland, uh, I said, uh, what is that? And then he started to talk about it. And it turned out after a lot of research, it turned out to be the kidney, which is in, uh, in a shrimp, not uh, in the back of the animal, but in the front, in the head. So most, when you see the, 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 the head part of a shrimp, that's uh, almost full uh, kidney stuff. And we found out that uh, you know you have kidneys and bladders, and this is very similar to mammals, but then you have a full network of bags, the verticals, you know, uh, bags, and uh, that was we found out that we could inoculate those anim- anim- animals uh, through the the nephropore, the opening, and we could really infect those animals through that way, and we discovered also that all those bags. Uh, are not only the place where, where viruses and bacteria can start to replicate, but also they're very important for, for the growth of the shrimp. So the, the, the shrimp can uh, fill their bags, and by doing that, they can uh, increase their volume and they get, can get out of their cuticula because they have to molt every 9 to 13 days. So we've, just by looking to the virus, we got totally on another track. So we, we discovered how shrimp are growing. Uh, so these are just, I would say, fun of your life, you know, uh, working with other uh, species. It's, I it can talk about good. that for, 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 for 10 days, but we don't have I can, for that. Uh, I, see, I see that. Well, that's, yeah, fascinating. That's uh, a yeah, completely different sort of uh, um, 
um, subject, yeah. But nevertheless, we want to talk a little bit about, well, we want to talk about COVID. Um, uh, uh, you are very much sought after person, not only in Belgium, but also uh, in Brussels at the European Union because of your knowledge on COVID, especially when we look at uh, zoonotic aspects of uh, the condition. There was in um, April the uh, case of the uh, cat that was tested uh, positive for SARS-CoV-2 uh, at the University of Liege. Um, then obviously a lot of uh, uh, people went to you for, for further advice. Um, where would you say do we stand now with uh, our domestic animals, especially as veterinary surgeons, so yes. dogs, cats, the animals we usually see in practice? Yes, I, th I think we should make, because you know we have, the cats are of course extremely important targets. When you look to the uh, uh, experimental inoculations that they did uh, in some uh, uh, institutes, then we know that cats are, are, are sensitive. Uh, so cats are uh, animals that you should look at and that you should take differential diagnosis uh, the SARS-CoV-2. However, it's not explosive in cats, so it's not like we see in uh, in uh, in humans. It's it's not spreading extremely well, and they're not that uh, susceptible because I we're doing here with a new technology some uh, screening in cats, and I only had one uh, cat up to let's say uh, um, I think we tested 30 or 40 of some animals that you know people were thinking they had uh, uh, COVID-19 but afterwards it turned out to be stupid uh, you know a feline herpes virus one or, or a, a Kalashi virus or the the old enemies and not the uh, not, not the SARS-CoV-2 so we only had one cat and that was a cat that was living together with a lot of uh, elder people and they they had been positive those those people and then we saw serologically we saw that uh, you know that animal had been uh, infected with SARS-CoV-2, but there are only, you know, not a lot of cases in uh, in 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 Flanders because that's the only uh, region that I'm uh, that I can talk about. So cats are possible, but let's say we should uh, exaggerate. And I didn't have a kind of a a single of a diseased cat that afterwards turned out to be positive for SARS-CoV-2. We found one positive without symptoms, uh, serologically, but not uh, with disease. So I think. Uh, cats will not demonstrate so to infect them it's already rare and then to get them diseased I, I'm not aware of one so I think it's not that easy for a cat to be infected uh, that's number one if you talk about another uh, animal like uh, minks uh, minks are extremely susceptible and this is a dangerous thing and 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 this is quite surprising me because the first case in the Netherlands was a uh, you know that was already an explosion eh? Mm. And if you see nowadays in in, in Denmark, uh, you know they keep their there are a lot of uh, minks for for the for the fur fur industry. Well, there are a lot of positives. So uh, in Belgium we don't have a huge industry. I think in the UK it's it's forbidden. I think, but in Belgium we still have a few of them, and they are negative. But but once you they're they're infected, it's spreading like hell. It's also causing disease in those mink. Mm. So, uh, I have a kind of a feeling that maybe uh, you know there are always uh, thinking on how how did the the virus jump from uh, from bats into humans? So everybody was looking to the let's say the the, the animal in between. Uh, I always say there there it could be that there was 
no no inter, in, intermediate animal in between the, the bats and humans. So it could be that he had a direct jump, which which is most probably. But it could also be that maybe um, minks also play a role or, or uh, animals from the same family because it's a, they call it the Mustelidae. So that's a huge family. Also a lot of animals in the wild. So I think it, you know, it's too sensitive. So I, I think the, 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 the people should look into that uh, in China, if there are also some, uh, you know, animals uh, infected, there are a lot of uh, animals kept for the fur in, in China. That's the biggest country for fur production. So I, I'm a believer also that they didn't mention it, but I'm a believer that also their uh, mink fur industry should have a look if there's nothing circulating down there. So, uh, um, so, so minks are extremely sensitive, just like ferrets, because they, ferrets are also... Uh, belonging to the Mustelidae uh, and they have been shown also experimentally that they are also uh, highly susceptible. Uh, I didn't have also because in Belgium we don't have a lot of ferrets as pets. I don't know how, how the situation is in the UK. I think that's... Uh, it's a very common species in small animal practice. Yes. Yeah. So I think, I think uh, if there is disease in ferrets, I think that would be good to test those animals. If uh, I think ferrets, I would put ferrets on top of the cats at this moment. Um, uh, mink disease uh, also predominantly a respiratory symptomatic, or um, how are they affected? It's respiratory, but there is also some uh, some intestinal uh, issues uh, down there. So they always say whenever you have some disease in minks, whatever it is, just let let it test it. That's now the yeah. the advice that they give. With a cat in Liège, they um, isolated the um, virus particles through a PCR in a fecal sample. Would that be also the, the route to take in a ferret? Yes. So um, I, I always uh, gave the advice to take both uh, a nasal swab and, and a fecal swab. But uh, it's just also uh, because this has been demonstrated also in animals that the, the, the primary application is mainly in the respiratory tract. So, that would be my uh, so for sure nasal swab. You can always uh, take also the the the, the fecal swab. Uh, it doesn't. It's not because because it's PCR. It's not because a fecal swab is positive that it means that you have infectious virus. Eh? So we have to be very careful with the technologies always uh, because that was also my my warning to the people that found the virus in in the feces in the cat. Uh, they went extremely fast in uh, you know uh, warning the whole world. Um, I think it's always good to warn the world, but I think as a virologist, you should also know that uh, virus can be uh, ingested uh, and it's very well possible that the material still comes out as genetics in the feces. So that, 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 that was, uh, you know, um, that's why in the beginning I was very septic, but, uh, but at, at, let's say at the end, when they have proven it for several days, and so on and so on. And then they did also some uh, infectivity studies. So at the end, and also serology, for me, that was the most important one. Uh, so the serology became positive, then uh, there's no doubt that the animal was, was infected. So that was uh, one of the first cases. So, um, and that was a, a cat living together with a, a COVID-19 uh, patient. So uh, that was very logical, yeah. Um, uh, what's your take on uh, the use of veterinary expect, uh, expertise in the current pandemic. There is obviously the, the philosophy of one health, but it struck me at times that maybe um, veterinary knowledge was underused. 
what, what do you think? Well, for instance, the, the whole discussion on vaccines uh, is, is extremely weird to me. So um, I'm working already in my whole life with different viruses and different animals. And uh, we, we know, uh, for instance, for coronaviruses, especially the re respiratory coronavirus, this should be under control by vaccines. So the, the, the fact that people were talking, yeah, you can get two times, uh, you know, can, you can be infected two times. For them, it's a surprise. For me, it's not a surprise. Uh, so if, if you have a, a local immunity after one infection, a local immunity will protect for four to six months. This is generally known. So that you can be reinfected after four to six months, that's, that's not something special. This is normal. Um, what, what, is, uh, uh, what will happen is you will have only replication in the nose, but you will not have a, a full replication in the lungs anymore because the lungs will be protected by the general immunity that, that is, has been raised. So for me, it looks like that they, didn't, they don't know extremely well what the pathogenesis is and especially what we can expect from uh, the immune responses. And I was very surprised and then I'm proud that I'm a vet because as vets, we really know everything on pathogenesis and on uh, immune responses. So for me, what they do now with the vaccination is, yeah, they will, uh, I can predict already, that will of course work. It will protect your lungs, but it will not protect your nose. So you will still have replication in the nose, still have, uh, you know, uh, problems with this, you know, loss of smell or taste. So this will still happen because you, you cannot protect by uh, injections. If you inject your vaccine, you will uh, induce IgGs. Sometimes uh, your cytotox T uh, lymphocytes you will stimulate, but you will not induce a local immunity in your nose. So this will stay open. And also uh, all the, the people that have been vaccinated can still be a kind of a, a, a chain in the transmission of, of the virus. So uh, this virus is not gone. Huh? Because everybody yeah. believes that if you start to vaccinate, that you will, you know, kick out the virus. That's not true. So you will, it will, of course, you will bring it down, but it will not be gone. So because you, you, the, the, the vaccinated people will still allow to, you know, let the virus circulate. And mm -hmm. that's an important yeah. one. So this is a, from a very point of view already, but they don't listen. So, uh, so um, you know, even when you talk to them, they, they just, you know, it's just like that humans are totally different from animals. For me, uh, you know, I put a human just beside a cat and a dog and a, and a pig and then even my, my shrimp. So, uh, you know, you look to those, let's say, a species uh, X, just like with the other animals. And I don't see something special. And that's why uh, sometimes I think, you know, I've said that they don't have to be scared of, of the vaccine uh, efficacy, but they don't believe it, you know. So uh, sometimes they should listen also to, uh, to a vet uh, because indeed we have, you know, a lot of experience and uh but but did, did this didn't get in uh, in the news also the 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 journalists you know if you talk to them and they hear that you're a veterinarian then that's already kind of a yeah okay 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 you, you know something about animals but you're not the same virologist as a human virologist so uh sometimes i'm not very happy with their uh with their attitude but okay we will not change the world uh with with covid 19 you know it struck me when, when I heard in the UK, one of the, the uh, first page, uh, front page news was that they found now this fantastic treatment against COVID, which is called dexamethasone. And I thought, 
come on, we are treating cats with yeah. coronavirus infections for years, and we, we yeah. know that the, the, the use of corticosteroids is of considerable benefit. And just yeah, that, course, that yeah. showed me that maybe sort of on the, the, the one health idea is just not working as yeah. it should. I mean, yeah. Well. And, yeah. It's worrying if, if our human colleagues sort of only came across this sort of after uh, uh, yes. trying, testing, yes. trying, failing. Yes. So, so, I mean, we, we, we possibly would have been in earlier with, for example, that point. But then, as you said, I mean, it's sometimes what journalists make out of it. I'm pretty sure that, that uh, human colleagues sort of did, uh, were aware of it and then and, and tried it for a while, but then after after time found actually that the that the use of corticosteroids is helpful in these patients. Yeah, well, a lot of things went by trial and error, you know. So, uh, um, and I have to say that corticosteroids uh, had always a kind of a negative, and and a negative vibe, you know. Uh, uh, don't use corticosteroids because they always think on uh, you know the negative impact on on immune responses. But in an acute phase, if you have an overreactive uh, Im immune response, then you have to cool it down, and, and corticosteroids are very good in that. So uh, mm -hmm. I think this is the only. So you know that uh, what is happening is a kind of an overreactive uh, immunity. So if you can cool it down with your uh, corticosteroids, then then you do well, and that's what they see now with their patients. Uh, so it's very, I would call it a very simple, uh, you know, thing. Uh, there's nothing special on it, but it's it's working well. So the let's say if you look now to the the number of infections, and uh, then uh, let's say the the the, the number of uh, deaths, the, the the ratio is 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 changed uh, compared with the first one. So I think they're doing well now at this moment. So the treatment uh, got got better at this moment. Yeah. With with now vaccines on the horizon and uh, uh, better treatment success, for example, with monoclonal antibodies, mm -hmm. steroids, um, uh, uh, other medication that that are, is now used in, in, in trial, um, I think it is foreseeable that at some point we will come uh, in the hopefully near future we will come in a position to to manage this pandemic. But what do you think for us as a profession, but also as society as a whole, what are the long-term effects of this? Will there be a new thinking when it comes to virus infections, pandemics, prevention of pandemics, or mm -hmm. will we pretty much go completely back to normal, maybe yeah. end up with a once a year coronavirus vaccination in the same way as uh, um, uh, influenza vaccination. Yeah. What's your outlook? What do you think? Where will we go? Well, personally, I think uh, that this thing, you know, first we should have a kind of a population immunity for the lungs because that's the disease. Uh, so if we have, especially the elder people, if we can get their IgG induction, so the immunoglobulin, uh, the neutralizing antibodies, if, if we can get them in those elder population, then I think we, we will get, uh, I will not say get rid, but, but reduce, let's say, the, the, the disease that we see in those elder people. I think that's a very important one. The younger people, uh, uh, they have just a, a little bit fever for a few days, but that's it. So I think when we, we can control the elder population, then I think the, the, the virus, of course, will always come, infect young, young individuals, but we will not see the, let's say, disease in those young individuals. 
and that's how the thing will will get to a high level of population immunity and then uh, the virus will have problems you know so the only thing it can do it will uh, let's say circulate in young young kids i would call it uh, you know at school there will you you will have your circulations and then of course you're immune especially for the the lung pathology and then uh, you know we we don't have let's say the the, the drift and the shifts that we have with, 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 with the influenza. So we don't, don't have that with the corona at this moment. So normally, I predict that we will have uh, common colds caused by um, SARS-CoV-2 in young kids, and that will give an immunity for life. Uh, of course, not for protecting them against replication, but for, for pr protecting them against uh, you know, very uh, uh, you know, uh, devastating infections of the lungs. So um, the virus will stay. But I think the impact will go down extremely, uh, extremely fast. So I think this is what we can expect. A very important thing to to tell is that we will not be learned by by this this thing. You know, th this is a pandemic, and will be the people are ready at this moment to jump in a plane and to go wherever as soon as they got vaccinated. So people, they will. This is not a lesson for people. You know, so people um, and and they always in, talk about you know the. Um, Intensive, uh, you know, uh, agriculture, you know, the, the uh, swine industry and whatsoever, they always blame uh, those people. But I can tell you, if you have a pig and you want to send it to China, you cannot send a pig as such. Like we go to China, you cannot go to China with a pig like that. You should have a full certificate list. It should be free of, I don't know what, a vet should have tested it. It should be free of symptoms. Then you can get it on the plane. But if it gets in China, it gets in quarantine. They will look to that for, for weeks. It should not show a uh, uh, disease. Uh, it should also be tested again and it will be rescreened again and, and so on and so on. So a pig behaves better than a human being when uh, it concerns uh, you know, uh, playing the Globetrotter. So we, we should really uh, think what we're doing. So we're, we're, we're playing a very dangerous game. We're just jumping on every plane and uh, traveling, uh, taking a, a plane like, like you take a bus nowadays. Uh, at a very cheap cheap level. Uh, at the meantime, we're destroying our total globe. Uh, so we really have to rethink what we're doing, and and it's really urgent, you know. So this is we cannot we we cannot con continue like this. And this is a virus, of, of course. You can say SARS-CoV-2, but it can be worse. Huh? So uh, this is this is a virus, but but this is not. You know, I, I'm a vet, so I know what. If you look to feline infectious peritonitis, are this is a coronavirus killing one to five percent of the cats. This is th th this is a killer. So uh, mm -hmm. let's say, um, yeah, uh, I think the people do not realize that uh, there should in the in, in in the future a change of of behavior concerning traveling all over the world uh, without a health uh, certificate. I'm convinced in the future there will be kind of a, a necessary certificate just to run over the, the the world. Of course, quarantine that will be difficult, of course, but uh, but but running, you know. Even when you're ill, you just you can you can take a plane. Nobody will, nobody will take you out of a plane because you're coughing, you know. So the, and and I can tell you if if somebody has an infection on the plane, uh, it's not good, you know. So so I think people should you know consider and they, there too they should think on what we do uh, with with animals, you know, because with anim this is fully you know uh, certified, everything is fully controlled, and we should learn out of that. Of course, then the next thing is, uh, you know, economy, tourism, and, and so on, and so on, and so on. So money first, as usual. 
So I'm 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 scared that nothing will change. Uh, so and everybody will be so full of the fact that we were controlling it in a such a fast way. But I tell you, this is a stupid virus. So if it would be a, a more complex virus, this will be. If you talk about PERS, PRSV, in, in pigs, or Africa, even worse, African swine fever. Uh, if you would have those those viruses, this is this is that's that's, and these are viruses that are just heading for for the immune cells like uh, macrophages and there is no uh, I, I don't believe it's very easy to make a vaccine against African swine fever virus so this is if it would be a virus like that then uh, then we're really in trouble you know um, yeah okay Hans thank you so much for talking to me um, yeah. if any one of our viewers has any further questions I would like to send comments you can email us on thatchat at ficava.org and obviously you can comment uh, on our social media sites. And thank you very much again uh, to uh, um, uh, Ghent University. And uh, next week I will have another uh, person I would like to chat with. So stay tuned and uh, welcome back to the next Fikava Vet Chat. Thank you. Mm -hmm.